You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today's message is part of our Adult Sunday School series. Adult Sunday School is taught by a variety of different men in our church. Now let's prepare our hearts as our Sunday School teacher brings forth God's truths from His Word today. Well, I hope all your guys' holiday was wonderful. I had a good holiday. Mine was a little bit more busy than normal this year because a couple weeks ago my wife got an accident in Detroit, not her fault, but um, with the Detroit traffic, our van got an accident and totaled it. So I have been working like a madman to try to find a new vehicle and I finally found one, bought it on Christmas Eve actually on my way to Julia's grandparents for the Christmas Eve party, purchased it on Christmas Eve, got it for a good deal, but it needed um, some work. So I've been working on that all week and yesterday um, I was doing some work on the engine replacing a coil and it was all the way in the back of the engine, impossible to reach. And you're supposed to take off the whole air intake manifold to do it. And I was like, I'm not doing that. I'm not getting into that. So I tried to do it without taking off the top part of the engine. And in the process of reaching my big fat hands back there and trying to do everything, I finally got it done. I'm like, yes, success. And I turn the vehicle on and a whole nother code pops up. And what, I, and what I ended up figuring out was while trying to do that, I completely ripped the wires out of another sensor back there because it was so tight. And so I had to end up taking everything apart that I was trying to avoid in the first place just so I could try to fix those wires. And I didn't even get done working on it until 9 o'clock last night, and I'm not even close to done. Everything still tore apart. I just got all the, wi- all the wires put back. It's so, oh. It's been a stressful week. And if you can pray that once I put everything back together, the Lord will still help it. <laughs> the Lord will help everything to work out. I would appreciate it because I'd be even more depressed if I put everything back together and it still didn't work. So... It's been a bit of a stressful last couple weeks, and I've been trying to prepare this lesson, you know, kind of on and off as I was dealing with all this other stuff. So hopefully this is a a blessing. I know I need this. So the title of the lesson today is The System for Success. Last year around this time, I know I did a lesson entitled um, How Was Your Report Card, which was kind of us looking back on the year previous to see where we we were, what we did, where we came from, are are we where we should be in our Christian lives. And this year's, or today is going to kind of be looking forward to the future, into 2019, how we can have good success in 2019. So this is a passage of scripture that we're all familiar with that is often used when talking about success. And this is just going to be where we're going to start today. We're going to look at many other passages of scripture. But let's start here in Joshua. 7 through 9. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand nor to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then shalt thou make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day, Lord. I pray that that you will take the um, thoughts that I put down here, Lord, and you will help them to speak to your people, Lord, as they spoke to me. There's so many things, Lord, that go into having um, a successful Christian life, Lord. And I just pray that the few of the things that we mentioned here today will be things that we can use in our life to help us be successful in this next next year in our walk with you. Just bless all that is done and said, and I just ask this in your holy, precious name. Amen. Okay, so today I want to look at a few different principles that are going to keep us, as verse 7 said, 
from veering to the right or to the left in our lives. These things will help keep us on the straight path to success. Verse 8 says, if we observe to do according to the principles that are written in God's word, that we will have good success. Verse 9 tells us to be strong and of good courage. And yes, in order to live a successful Christian life, it does take strength and it does take courage. But praise the Lord as verse 9 also finishes up saying, it says, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. Amen. Praise the Lord we don't have to do this, do this Christian life in our own power because we would fail and we do fail when we try to do it in our own power. Praise the Lord. He is there to help us. So the first point that we're going to look at that, I have eight points. We'll see how many, we'll see if we can get through them all. But the first point we're going to look at today is your attitude determines your altitude. Your attitude determines your altitude. If we want to reach new heights in our Christian life, we have to start by changing our attitude. The dictionary definition of attitude is this a settled way of thinking or feeling about someone or something that is typically reflected in a person's behavior. A settled way of thinking about someone or something that is typically reflected in a person's behavior. Now, we try lots of times to hide our, hide our attitudes, but attitudes a lot of times are hard to tell. People see how we actually feel, okay? We have different attitudes about everything in life. Ways that we have decided to feel about certain people, situations, and circumstances. The same is true when it comes to our attitudes concerning the things of the Lord. We have positive attitudes towards the things of the Lord that we think are right for us. And on the other side of the coin, we have negative attitudes towards the things of the Lord that we think are extreme or unreasonable or aren't profitable for us. Even though God's word says it is all profitable for us. These attitudes are often portrayed on our faces as pastor preaches. He, he says often how he, sees the how he sees people being uncomfortable as he preaches. Well, that's your attitude coming forth from what's really in your heart. You're feeling that attitude of being uncomfortable. When, when he preaches about something that we're not struggling with in our life or that we agree with or that we're doing successfully, we're all amens and praise the Lord. But then when he starts preaching on something that we're, that we're being defeated in our life and that we're not living successfully and we're not doing what we're supposed to. It's, here he goes again, you know? So we've all been there. We've all felt that way, you know? We don't, not, none of us like that, that, that finger being put in that open wound that we have of, of an area that we know needs to be changed. So, you know, we have these different attitudes towards the things of the Lord. If we are ever going to take our Christian lives to new heights, we have to take on an attitude of acceptance towards the whole counsel of God, everything in God's word. It's all to be applied to our life. No part of it is to be left out. We can't pick and choose what we want, what's acceptable and what's not. The principle applies to both our spiritual lives and secular lives, honestly. Having the right attitude could help soar you to that next promotion in your job. Have you ever seen that? I mean, if, you're self, if you employ people yourself, People that just have a good attitude, those are people that you want to promote in your job. And those are people, the people that are willing to have good attitudes no matter what, are the people that are able to move to that next step in their life and take that next step successfully. The same is true in our Christian life. If we are willing to have the right attitude about the things of the Lord, we will much easier be able to move up that ladder of spirituality and grow closer to the Lord. So how do we change our wrong attitudes into right attitudes? We change our attitudes by changing our focus, what we're focused on. 
by focusing on the things that God wants us to focus on instead of the things that the devil's always trying to get us to focus on, we can maintain that right attitude on pretty much anything in life. Satan always tries to get us to focus on everything and anything negative that he possibly can. Because if we are focused on the negative things, what, what's going to happen? We're going to have a negative attitude, right? If we're focused on the negative things. If we are focused on positive things, we're going to have a positive attitude. We as humans, although this is a real struggle for a lot of us, we are just naturally pessimistic people. I heard one gentleman explain it this way. If you walk into a room, it's called the missing ceiling tile syndrome. Okay? I heard this this week, and I was like, that is so good. That's exactly what I'm talking about. If you walk into a room that is filled with brand new, bright, beautiful ceiling tiles, but there is one ceiling tile missing in that room, what is your attention immediately going to go to? It's going to go to that missing ceiling tile. And you're going to sit down, you're going to try to not think about it, and you're going to be like, it's a beautiful ceiling tile. Oh, that bugs me. I, I'm, I'm kind of OCD when it comes to stuff like that. I like things just, just so in perfect order. <laughs> There's people that are looking up at the ceiling right now after I said that. That's funny. <laughs> I, uh, what's that? Oh, yeah. Thanks, Aaron. Now everybody's not going to listen to anything else I'm saying. They're going to be looking at a light bulb. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, our attention always wants to focus on that missing thing. That's just the way that we're programmed. If we are focused on the negative, then we are always going to have those negative attitudes. It is just the way we are. We always want to focus on that missing ceiling tile, that thing that we think is missing in our life that should be there. So instead of focusing on, the, on all the other ceiling tiles, which would represent all the other blessings in our life, we want to focus on that one thing that we think we're missing or that we don't have. We change our attitude by changing what we are focusing on. Stop focusing on that one thing that's missing or that one thing that you feel like you need and start focusing on everything else that you have. Philippians 4, 8 says, Finally, my brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things, all those other ceiling tiles, not that one missing one. By recalibrating what we are focused on, we can give ourselves a chance at having the attitude that's going to keep us on the road to success. Our potential is established by our positive biblical attitude. If we, re if we renew the caliber of our thoughts, it will renew the caliber of our life. Your attitude determines your altitude. Number two, have goals. Have goals. Philippians 3, 13 through 14 says, Brethren, I, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press towards the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul says, forgetting those things which are behind. Few things have ever been spoken that are more true than the fact that you and I cannot change our past. We cannot change the past. But at the same time, it is just as true that we have the power to make the choices, the power to make the choices to determine the quality of life that we have in the future. Notice I didn't say change our life in the future, change what's going to happen in our life in the future. We have the opportunity to change the quality of life that's going to happen in the future. 
We don't know what's going to happen in the future. A lot of times we try to make decisions and we try to be prepared and we try to be wise and that's right and we should do that. But the only person who knows the future is God. So when the future doesn't exactly go as your plan, don't get discouraged. You know what? If we're focused on that, if we're focused on focusing on things happening exactly the way we planned them, we're going to go through, the, we're going to go through all of life discouraged because things are never going to happen just as we planned. It's never going to happen. God is the only one who can control the future. How we, respond are the, how we respond are the different attitudes that we have towards what happens in the future. Reaching forward, forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forward to those things which are before. What are we reaching for? What are you reaching for? What is your goal? Are you pressing towards that prize? I heard this saying before, and I don't know who said it, but I believe we've all heard this. I'd rather aim at something and miss than aim at nothing and hit it. I'd rather aim at something and miss than aim at nothing and hit it. The point is this. We don't always achieve every goal that we set, but we will achieve much more than if we don't set any goals at all. There's another saying that goes like this. If you don't know where you're going, any road will do. If you don't know where you're going, any road will do. If you do not set goals in your Christian walk with the Lord, then any goal is good enough. Even no goal at times is good enough. Goals keep us motivated and focused on what is important. The, goal that I, the goals that I'm talking about here are the goals to grow in our walk with Jesus Christ. I'm not talking about like worldly goals like wanting to make $300,000 a year, you know. That's a fleshly goal. I'm talking about goal. I mean, that's great. And a lot of times God allows wonderful things like that to happen. He gives us material blessings, right? When we're pursuing the right goals in life, he just adds, he just tacks those other things onto them as a, as a side blessing. But no, we need to be pursuing that walk with the Lord, setting goals in our walk to get to that next step. What often happens when we don't set goals in our Christian life is we get off the road that Christ wants us to travel and take one of those side roads, which ends up getting us extremely lost. What happens when we have the goals that Christ wants us to have is those goals are set in the path that Christ desires us to take. So by pursuing those goals, we will stay on the path that Christ has set for our lives. We will, never, we will never achieve success until we define success as God defines it. God defines success as observing to do all that is written in his holy word. Without goals, to achieve success will be nothing but without goals, we will never achieve success and we will be nothing but a drifter through life. And a drifter is equal to a loser with no purpose. We have to have purpose. Goals helps us have purpose, something to work towards. Another saying, yard by yard, life is hard. Inch by inch, life's a cinch. Has anyone ever heard that? Yard by yard, life is hard. Inch by inch, life's a cinch. I heard this quote for the first time this year when I was reading a book on leadership. The principle is this, nobody soars to the top of the spiritual ladder with a few swift leaps. It's a learning process filled with failures and successes. We have to take it one day at a time, making progress with each step that we take. Some days are going to be other failures, and some days are going to be complete successes. 
Nobody has a successful day every day, or else we would be perfect. That would be wonderful. But nobody has a successful day every day. With the Lord in front to lead us and behind to push us, you know, we often talk about the Lord being in front of us to lead us to where we need to go, and that's true. We do need that. What would, we'd be lost without that. That's his word. His word leads us. But you know what we also need, and I don't hear it talk, talked about very often, is we need the Lord behind us to push us, right? A lot of times we need a swift kick in the pants to do what's right, and the Lord does that many different ways, but we need the Lord in front and behind, move us, moving us from both sides. That's what we need. Whether it is your Bible reading, memorization, prayer, ministry, witnessing, surrendering something in your life to God, or whatever it is, whatever it is, set a goal, reach that goal, and set a new goal. It helps you have purpose and stay focused on God's will for your life. Number three. Number three, think big, plan big, because God is big. Think big, plan big, because God is big. Luke 137, for with God, nothing shall be what? Impossible. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. This is one of the first verses that my little daughter Elena learned. With God, nothing shall be impossible. This verse in its context is the angel telling Mary, Jesus' mother, that her cousin Elizabeth is going to conceive and have a son, even though she was old and barren. After the angel says this to Mary, he says, For with God nothing shall be impossible. This sounds a lot like another story in the Bible, doesn't it? The story in Genesis of Abraham and Sarah, where God says Sarah's going to give birth to a son. Sarah laughs, you know, because it sounds ridiculous. Sarah laughs. What happens? What, is, what, is, what does God say here? Let's see. And then God asked Abraham the question, is anything too hard for the Lord? First he asked Abraham, why does Sarah laugh? And then he says, is anything too hard for the Lord? Well, we know the answer is, of course not. Nothing's too hard for the Lord. More often than we, more often than not, we limit ourselves in our life based off of what we think we can accomplish and what we think is possible. Whether we know it or not, what we are honestly doing is we are trying to accomplish things within our own reasoning and our own strength. We are putting God in the tiny box of our mind, only allowing him to work inside that box. And I know for me, that box of that mind is pretty tiny. So when, when, I, when I try to put God inside the box of my mind within my own reasoning, you know what? He can't accomplish very much because he's only working inside of what we're letting him. <clears throat> When we try to live out life within our own reasoning, within, the, within, our own, within our own reasoning, within the realm of possibility that we have set for ourselves, we will most likely accomplish exactly what we are capable of. We will accomplish exactly what we are capable of. And that's often what happens. That's all we accomplish is what we are capable of, which, guess what, is nothing. It's very small and finite things that we are capable of. Philippians 4.13 says, And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If we say that we have confidence in God, but don't back that confidence up with action, that confidence is dead. And I think if I came before any of you today and I was like, do you have confidence that God can do something amazing in your life? You'd be like, yes, of course. Well, I mean, God can do anything. Why do I not have that confidence? But if you don't back that confidence up with action, that confidence is dead. That is a false statement. You don't truly believe that. You've got to back that confidence up with action. In other words, we say, yeah, I believe God can do something great with my life, but then, we, but then we don't back that statement up with action, so that statement is meaningless. It's empty. 
It is our job to back up our confidence in God with action and return. Action in return. Back it up with action in return. He will equip us to do what he has called us to. Which are often things that we never could dream of if we were really willing to surrender our all to Christ. James 2.17 says, Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead. Being alone. Even so faith, if it hath not works, being dead is alone. How we live is an expression of our opinion to God. Our opinion of God. Think about that. How we live is an expression of our opinion of God. And not even, it's not just the, the fact that that's a truth. You know, who, you know who sees that in our life? That's the world. How we live tells the world how we view God. Our opinion of God is portrayed through the way we live to this world. A lot of us have a very low opinion of God. I know a lot of times I do. I have a very low opinion of God, and I show that to the world through the way that I live. We are limiting, we are limiting ourselves by our own limited thinking. Think big, plan big, because God is big. Number four. Number four. Fear, if not controlled, will destroy success. And you might think, why are we talking about fear? Well, fear is a big deterrent of being successful in your life. It is a big deal. Fear, if not controlled, will destroy success. To fill our mind with worry, fear, and anxiety is one of the most costly and least productive activities that we can possibly do. This is a dead giveaway to an undisciplined mind. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself above the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, there are many things that can fall into the category of imaginations and high things that exalt themselves above the knowledge of God. But I would say right up there at the top of the list would have to be our tendency to fear. Our tendency to fear. That worry or anxiety that we feel about things that we believe are outside of our control, which is a lot of things are outside of our control. There are so many different things that we can fear and have anxiety over. For example, we can fear over our finances, our health, the many decisions that we have to make in life, the unknowns of the future, the, the, we fear the direction that we see others taking in their life and the path that it's leading them down and what's going to happen. We fear that. We all tend to fear what we do not know. But the fact is, we do not know what we do not know. <laughs> it's just the way it is. We don't know what we don't know. That is why we have to trust God. He is the only one who knows the future. So we just have to rest firmly in him, taking it a day at a time, as I said, just trusting him as he is in control. And if we are just letting him lead us from front and push us from behind, guess what? Everything's going to be okay. Amen. We will never stay on the path to success if we allow fear to control us. As I mentioned in our opening verse, one of those side paths that we often veer off onto is the path of fear. Fear is a very powerful thing that absolutely can and will control us if we do not bring it into captivity. We have to chain it up, lock it up. We need to throw away the key. We need to get rid of that fear. Think about, excuse me, think about the most powerful dictators of history. What was one of their most effective weapons that they used to control people with? Fear. That's what a dictator does. He uses fear to control people. 
The dictator of all dictators is who? It's Satan. He is the dictator of all dictators. And he has perfected the method of inducing fear as a means to control us and, and as a means of what we base our decisions off of. Any decision that we make out of fear or out of anxiety or worry is almost every time going to be the wrong decision. And that's what Satan tries to get us to do. He is constantly daily bombarding us with fiery darts of fear that he can hit us with because he knows if these hit us, he will wound us to the point of making us unable to fight in the battle. And if we're unable to fight, we're unable to win. We will be ineffective soldiers for Christ. We have to get our shield of faith up and deflect those darts and allow, deflect those darts and allow them not to wound us to the point of knocking us off the path of success. Over 100 times the phrase fear not or be not afraid is used in God's word. It is a commandment of God to not fear but to trust him. Fear has the ability to suck the life out of everything else in life. When you are very fearful of something, guess what? That becomes your idol. You can't really focus on anything else. When something is overtaking you in fear, you're so worried about something, it's all you think of all day long. It consumes your thoughts. It consumes your life. It becomes your idol. We have to give that fear over to God. Fear, if not controlled, will destroy success. You will never stay on the path of success if you are allowing yourself to succumb to fear. Get rid of that fear. Trust God. Understand. Believe. He knows the future. He will take care of you. Number five, joy equals success. Talking about fear, now the other end of the spectrum, joy. Joy equals success. Psalm 1611 says, Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. This, this verse draws three very important parallels here. Okay? Path of life, in thy presence, fullness of joy. When we are following God's path for our life, we will be in his presence and full of joy. The three parallels of that verse, that verse lays it out for us real good and clear there. Joy and success are similar in the, reg in the regard that they are not a destination. They are not a destination, but a way of travel. They are not a destination, but a way of travel. As believers, our, de our destination is heaven. Even though our destination for all believers is the same, the way of travel for us greatly differs between one person and another. Not all believers live a successful Christian life. In fact, probably the majority of believers live a lot of their lives defeated. The destination is not different, but the path taken can be. It can range greatly. A defeated Christian life is a life that has allowed Satan to defeat them by his temptation and deception. It is a life that has allowed Satan to define joy, that joy, to define joy and happiness as something that can be obtained through some kind of tangible thing, as a destination. They, they see that joy as a destination once I get this, once I get there. They continue to follow that destructive cycle, never being able to satisfy their desires for true joy and happiness and peace. In this regard, a defeated Christian is much like an unbeliever, always trying to find that joy, always going to that next thing, but never able to fulfill it. They are seduced, they are seduced by the pleasures of this world, allowing themselves to become indoctrinated with the world's philosophy. 
The Bible calls this the world's philosophy and this seduction the doctrine of devils. And it is. It is the doctrine of Satan to pursue those worldly things to bring yourself joy. We often apply this principle to teenagers as we see them pursuing desires of their flesh in order to be fulfilled. But I must say that us as adults are very guilty of doing this exact same thing. We are very guilty of pursuing worldly pleasures or worldly things to make us feel joyful and happy. And if we don't get those things, we're grumbling, we're complaining. If we don't have this, we don't have that. Look at what that person has. Why can't I have that? I work twice as hard as they do. I'm twice as committed to the Lord as they do. Why do they have all those blessings and I'm here wanting? We do the same thing in our lives as teenagers do. A lot of times we don't give them the good example that they need to follow. They need to see us as their parents and as grown-ups being joyful no matter what condition our life is in, just knowing that God is in control, joyful no matter what. Joy and peace is a fruit that is produced and given to us through a life that is crucified, the desires of the flesh, and given over control of those desires to Christ. This kind of life is characterized by contentment, something we all struggle with. True joy is not a destination, it is a lifestyle. A lifestyle of contentment, trust, and fellowship with the Savior. Joy and peace comes and goes whether we are in fellowship or out of fellowship with Christ. 1 John 1, 3 through 4 says, That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that ye may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. What's the product of that fellowship? Truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. What happens when we have that fellowship? And these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. That is how we have fullness of joy, by being in fellowship with our Savior. He is everything. Only through that can we have true peace and true joy. That is everything that we need to be fulfilled. We cannot expect... Our joy is full only when we are in fellowship with our Savior. Joy equals success. Number six. This will be our last one. Number six. Success in sowing. Success in sowing. Galatians 6, 7 through 9. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. We cannot expect to receive material and eternal blessings on credit. God's reward program of blessings for obedience does now require your obedience later. Proverbs 28.20 says, A faithful man shall abound with blessing." A faithful man shall abound with blessing. 1 Corinthians 4, 2, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. It is through our faithful stewardship, our sowing, our cultivating of what God has given us that we can, that we can in turn give, that he can in turn give us more blessings to be stewards of. What good is a bag of seeds if you don't plant them in the ground? If you don't let them grow to produce more fruit, what good are they? The same is true with everything that God has given us, from our spiritual gifts to our physical gifts to our physical possessions. They are all to be used to bring honor and glory to God. 
God has given each and every one of us a bag of seeds. We all hold that bag of seeds. We all hold that. Everyone has it, that bag of seeds to sow. Each one of those seeds represents a different part or thing in our lives. If we take those seeds and plant them, plant those seeds, plant those gifts and abilities and possessions and everything that God has given us, if we plant those seeds in the field, in the soil of his will, he can take those seeds and grow something from them that you and I could never produce on our own. We must sow righteousness to reap blessings and rewards. If we... If we stand still and watch the world go by, what's going to happen? It's going to go by. And then by the time we realize it, it's going to be too late. By the time we want to actually do something for God, it's going to be too late. Our, Our most precious commodity in life is what? It's time. It's something we can never get back. Redeeming the time. Sowing. God's law of compensation demands payment of obedience in advance. The sacrifices necessary for sowing righteousness would be much easier if we could just perceive what it really means to sacrifice for righteousness. What it really means. What it really means is to give up something of lesser value of something for greater value. That's what it really means. That is sacrifices for righteousness. If we, if I were to tell you that I were going to give you $100 in exchange for $5, you would be crazy not to take it, right? I'd be like, I want to trade you $100 for $5. Now, nobody in here would do that because we all understand that if something is too good to be true, it usually is. So if I want $100 for $5, I'm probably just going to take your $5 and run with all of it. You know, you know what I'm saying? So usually, but that, that's not how God works. That's how God does. God goes, look, if you're willing to sacrifice this for me, if you're willing to give me this little part of your life, I'm going to take that and I'm going to give you so much more back. <clears throat> God's blessings are always worth far more than our sacrifice. The key to success is we have to be willing to plant first. We have to be willing to sow what God has given us, to plant it in the soil of his will and leave it to him. We have to be willing to sow, dedicating everything that we have to God, understanding that we are just stewards. Success in sowing. All right, we're going to stop there. The next one that I was, the next one, well, let's see, I have, the next one was number set, or number six, it was our, our environment has influence. That one was all about making sure that you are keeping yourself in the environment that God wants, wants you to be in. Your environment has a lot of power over you. There was a pastor that, I can't remember his name now, I wrote it down, but no, I'm past it. But he said he's been a full-time minister for 45 years, and he said a lot of times your environment has more control over you than your own willpower. The environment that you're placed over you has more control over your willpower. So we need to make sure that we are surrounding ourselves in a Christian environment with Christian people as much as possible. When the Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, listen, that's not just talking about church. That's not just talking about being faithful to church. That's talking about getting together with other believers so we can build each other up so iron can sharpen iron, right? And then the last one was share and bear burdens. Share and bear burdens. And that's all about sharing, being willing and humble enough to share our burdens with other people and the things that we're struggling with. And um, a lot of time it takes humility, but God gives grace to the humble, right? Being willing to share our burdens and what we're struggling with other people so that we can, as a group, build each other up. One thread by itself isn't very strong. It's easily broken. But when you 
When you braid a bunch of threads together, there's great strength in that, isn't that? That's how we are to be as the body of Christ. All of us braiding our threads together, helping each other to work towards the same common goal. So we are not only to share our burdens, but we are to do everything we can to bear other people's burdens as well. When we see somebody, somebody struggling, we are to reach out our hand of compassion and mercy and help them. Yes, definitely in prayer. Of course, we need to do that. But if it's something else, we need to do what we can to help that person, to help that brother in the Lord, building each other up, helping each other. Well, that's basically it. Hopefully that was an encouragement to you today. Um, if we do all these things, we will be well on our way to the path of success. I know that I struggle with a lot of these, and a lot of these were convicting to me as I was putting this together. So, you know, let's make, 2000, let's make 2019 one of the most successful years that we have by dedicating our lives completely and fully to the God that he can help us do all these things. Let's pray. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram where you can see what's happening happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.